0: This is RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. Today, Tim Satley, Mark Finn, and Trevor Stamper joins me. This episode is born out of a discussion we started to have on the RPG Ramblings Facebook page. There, we were discussing some hurdles that we faced, and it seemed like a good idea for us to discuss those roadblocks on a podcast to hopefully discover a way to collectively navigate a way through What you get is a brainstorming session that may, in turn, spark some thinking about your projects. In the show notes, there's a link to my Patreon. For as low as $1 a month, you will be able to hear unedited portions of this podcast. For some episodes, that is a few minutes of extra content. This episode, however, the raw file provides over 26 minutes of blatant nonsense. That is pennies per minute. Alas, there's no Patreon adventures in today's show. I'm on vacation, but it turned into a working vacation. Hope to bring it back next week. Sisters and brothers, it is time to get rambling. Hello. Today, we've got Tim Satley, Mark Finn, and Trevor Stamper joining me. Hey, guys. Yeah, we are doing a clinic in our secret, secret Facebook group, Top Secret. Uh, people were discussing. <laughs> yeah. People were discussing uh, issues and problems we'd have, and I thought, you know what? While we're kind of going through this, uh, you know, maybe we just troubleshoot it, kind of like the the thing I like to do. Sometimes my kids don't really appreciate is we have a problem. I like to talk about solutions. <laughs> Novel idea. Yeah, they, they don't want <laughs> solutions. They just want somebody's monster. It's <laughs> <Hey. Yeah. God> solve a problem <laughs> so tim we'll start with you since you're uh you're uh left of uh of me right here so oh great um, okay <laughs> so you stayed that uh, so you have an idea for a book of one-shot adventures right
1: yeah it's so i've done a couple of individual adventure modules at this point right i've got something that i've been working on and it's you know i you go, when you go to cons and you go around to different events or as an adult gamer one thing i've found is that it's kind of tough it's tougher to have a campaign in the fact that you, you you can't always get the same group of people together all the, on a regular basis sometimes yes sometimes no sometimes there people are missing so when you've got adventures that roll out for you know 3 or 4 sessions a lot of times Instead of t- happening in a short time frame, it takes months to get those finished. Uh, if you're going to a con, you you know you got a three four hour window to do your game, and then you need to move on, right? And so, just talking with people and running into things like this, I actually created, and I mean I'm not the first to do this, right? everyone has done seen you know micro dungeons and those types of things. But what I've done is I've got using the dcc chassis a specific theme and i've got uh right now about seven different adventures all based off of the same thing every one of them completely different three are let's see three are dcc three are mcc one is lankmar one i could probably convert to a dying earth if you know when that system comes out but the problem that i have is it's going to take a lot more to fund putting together a project like this than any of the other stuff i've ever done the individual models modules you know it's it's the cost containment and the work that's involved in it is pretty set right it's it's i've got a good grasp on that but for me to do something like this you know the you're going to need artwork for each different adventure right you're going to need a map for each different adventure you're going to need custom artwork for the different new monsters and encounters and things that you're including for each of those so take that adventure module <laughs> spread it out by seven turn it into a hard copy book and all of a sudden it's like is it worth going you know, i don't know if I, it'll be able to fund you know what i'm saying and i'm i don't know maybe i'm a little different but i don't want to kickstart something until i'm finished with it that's the way that's just the way i roll it's i do it it's done it's ready to be you know i throw it out there on kickstarter and as soon as i get funded from you know kickstarter that they give me the list of everybody comes through i ship it so that that way it's ready to go and i'm just running into trouble right now trying to get my head around the finance side i granted, i'm a finance guy so this is you know (laughs) this is what i do for a living right so i'm looking at this and saying i don't it the bottom line is it keeps getting put off to the back you know i i'm working on other stuff because i don't want to put effort into something that's never going to come to fruition
2: right Does that makes sense absolutely makes perfect sense let me ask you a question so um you're working on it in fits and starts right like you know not all at once when you get an idea you write it down and then you go do something else is that
1: Correct. Exactly. Like I've got one complete adventure done and play tested. I've got outlines for five others so each at different levels of being complete. So
2: what do you th- I'm I'm and and I'm 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 asking this please understand with zero acrimony or attitude, but I'm genuinely curious, what do you think your sweat equity is worth? And at what point of even doing it in fits and starts, do you say it would be easier to throw money at this?
1: I, what do you? Well, as far as like sweat equity for me, I just do this because I like it. All the yeah. money go and everything that I'm doing. Matter of fact, when I look at the funding on this thing, ninety five percent of it is artwork, cartography, oh, yeah. and artwork, and then the cost for printing. Right, because everything yeah. else I've done print on demand through drive through RPG, just because I, I have a full-time job. I have a second job that I teach. I'm doing it. So for me, this is all just kind of fun stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to deal with the fulfillment side and that end of it. it just because I don't have time. Right. I and it boils down to just allocation of time as a resource. Um, I don't care if I make money on it. I just would like it to break even. So I don't, so I'm not losing money. Right. My wife is happy if there's not negative things hitting the bank account that aren't accounted for. So. I think that's
2: very reasonable. <laughs> um, well, okay, so uh, presuming, of course, that that these would all be done in, in kind of a uniform fashion. They're all going to be laid out similarly, so you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. And, you know, the it's going to be presented in kind of a similar style how minimal could you do it and still feel like you were given somebody something that was worth the money? I guess what I'm asking is, 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 you know, if you could do this with say five complete single issue or single episode adventures, and then and then kickstart it, and then depending on how much money you raise, add that sixth one, that seventh one, that eighth one, because you would mm-hmm. have enough to cover it. I mean, would that even be something you would entertain, or are you are you oh. still married well, to the idea of of being ninety to one hundred percent done before you uh, hit the green green button?
1: Well, it's I, I am kind of married to the hitting it, doing that before the green button, just because. I don't want to be sitting under a deadline, right? If I'm, I, I don't know about you guys, everybody works slightly different, but I I don't want to put out a Kickstarter and say, it's September 2022. I'm going to deliver this in, you know, August of 23. I want to have it, you know, I want people, you know, get, there's that satisfaction of when someone pays the money out and then they get the product, right? You've got, sure. it. it's very tactile. And so I don't like the long delays on that, but that's, like I said, that's part of my own foible. You know, I don't want to say here's something for next year and yeah, I'll get it done before then. Okay. Now I'm under a deadline. And for all I know stuff could blow up at work and I can't do anything for the next two months besides the stuff I, I absolutely have to do for my regular job. Right. And And that being said, the costs are like the cover The back cover, the cartography for each of the adventures. So, I mean, probably no matter what, 70% of the cost that I'm figuring is going to be there, whether it's five modules or eight modules.
3: So, let me ask you a couple of questions, Tim. Yeah. Follow up. First of all, my first question is um, what's the average length of an adventure, uh, of one of these little adventures or, or episodes in terms of word count?
1: Okay, uh, the way I envision it is one page of word count description, you know, one page description, one page um, for the map, one page for and then you've got a bestiary or bestiary, however you want to pronounce it, uh, you know, your bestiary and any and any custom stuff that comes with it on an additional page. So that's the the basic thought process behind it. So it's kind of a, a, it's an offshoot of one page dungeons.
3: Okay. So, and you're talking about an eight and a half by 11 page. Yes. Set up. So that's 600 page, 600 words is an average page uh, word count for us for an eight and a half by 11 page. So the word counts, not the issue. uh, And you've got six for 24 pages. uh, Plus some art. So I guess, I guess, I guess I, I have a couple of things that I would suggest. Um, okay. And the first is a follow-up question. Are you married to the idea that you have to have five, six, seven of these in a thing? I, I understand that it saves you in terms of potentially, in terms of cover yeah. costs. So it's it's cheaper. There's There's a savings there. Like you could put two or three together at a time, and that would be yes. a Kickstarter, and that would be a Kickstarter, and that would be a Kickstarter. And building a series, by the way, of related products generally tends to I grow agree. your market and your yeah, presence yeah. and your and people's interest in your products. So there's one advantage there, but the disadvantage is, is you're maybe having to figure out a new covers or you have to come up with a cover that you could change colors on or something so that it was related but different every time. That's an entirely yes. doable process too. Um, and so I've certainly seen products that basically have one uniform thing right and they just change the color of it in a kind of Andy Warhol style presentation right so you've got you know maybe a Tim Satley you know logo right there on the center or something right and a blank page otherwise but you know Tim Satley's logo is in pink and you got a yellow background on number one and then it's in green and you got a blue background on number two so there are ways to minimize the cost of doing multiple things but I think coming back to Mark um, you know, he's asking a question. I think about what's your sweat equity worth, right? Because he's thinking of return on investment. And there's been several conversations, especially on RPG Ramblings here, and in RPG Zines, about return on investment in terms of how many pages should you put into a booklet to expect a decent amount of, you know, return on that time. Um, mm-hmm. And so, breaking things up into smaller chunks usually results in a higher return. Um, also becomes a cheaper product right which means that also drives more interest that helps build that so there's kind of a marketing strategy there that you could go for so if you had say you know tim's three night stand right a product line like that where it's three different things that can be completed in four hours right there's if you're not married to six things in one issue right you've got two issues worth of product there um gotcha and then what you do, just like you did for your very first one, right? You you use the money from that, the profits from that, to bankroll the next one, and and so on and so forth. You know, I mean, gotcha. there's definitely a way. I, I I don't know about you guys, and I, I know that Jeff buys a lot of zines. I mean, I have a couple hundred now, and they they don't always have complicated covers. They don't need to have complicated covers.
2: No, it's a yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a real spread uh, amongst people who literally are just in it because they had a great idea and professionals and all points in between um the and i, and I would also i have a thought about you know I, I love artwork especially if you're doing new monsters and stuff like that i think that's that's such an old school thing right you know one of the coolest things about buying the old modules back in the day was there were always a few new monsters and you got those great pictures you know mm-hmm. uh and so that just added to the lore of whatever you were doing. Um, The only thing I can think of that would offset a cost on that is if you needed to do something along those lines, go back to somebody that you've worked with before, not only that you trust, but that trusts you. So that, you know, it it might be a thing where you're not comfortable, uh, you know, asking them to do work for free, but you're also saying, I will pay you once the Kickstarter is done you know, you have my word and, and then being able to go, you know what, we've worked together before. I understand that, you know um, that, that might help to sort of determine how much art you're going to have, because you might not, you might just fund, or you might fund plus another six or 8,000. And then, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, obviously funding, the next one is I think a good idea, especially for a series. I would love, if you were doing three lankmar three dying earth three mutant crawl three three dungeon crawl at a whack i mean that would be cool that'd be a, a so
1: really... uh, and that which brings up a great point which is my thought was having some of each under the same cover but what you're saying is okay look here's do your dcc ones do your mcc ones do your other ones um i just know that well and trevor i know you, we had mentioned something about this before how you know mcc doesn't have the same following as dcc and, and stuff like that so would it be better to lump them all together as here's your dcc here's your mcc or it'd be better to do you know because like goodman will put out the thing on you know free d three free rpg day and on um dcc days where it's like okay here's a lankmar module and here's a you know, our adventure and here's an MCC adventure and then the next one comes out and it's two or three different ones and that's kind of the thought process I was going with
3: so if I could kick in there um, I think there's I think there's a couple you have to think of your strategy first of all mm-hmm. there's always an appeal from purists to get all their all their bang for their buck in one issue even if it's series so if you've okay. got an MCC DCC so on and so forth right the MCC people just want to buy the MCC one, and then they want to go on their way because they're not interested in DCC. That yep. said, Dungeon Crawl Classics has a you know ten year history now of reskinning to solve problems. And so, one thing you might consider adding, just just as a uh, you're throwing it out there, is two or three sentences at the end of each of your adventures that say, "In you know want to run this in MCC? Here's my reskinning idea." Want to run this in Weird Frontiers? Here's a reskinning idea. Want to run this in Dying Earth? Here's a reskinning idea. And the reason I state that is twofold. First of all, it appeals to the most people, and you mm-hmm. can state that that that's that is that is an advertising feature, right? Yes. Hey, I got three great <laughs> vectors coming. They can be completed in four hours each, and they could be run in DCC, MCC, Weird Frontiers, and any anything you want. You know, it's all right there for you. The other thing is this. I don't know if you've spoken with the Dark Master specifically about putting out Lankmar adventure content or Dying Earth mm-hmm. adventure content. Um, he has the license to that. And my understanding is, after talking to him about a couple things in the past, you would need to request a license to specifically produce a Lankmar, Lankmarian product, right? Gotcha. That's a I license think... thing. And, and, so, that,
1: and... I was wondering about that actually, and and it's made in such a way so that you can drop it into a yep. Lankmar neighborhood, or you can drop it into a DCC village. So, so this is
3: so this is where you check with Joseph Goodman ahead of time, and you say, is it possible to say for me to advertise this as Lankmar, or could I even just again back to the blurbs? Could I put a yeah. Are you running in Lankmar? this would be great between marsh street and the god street of the gods right
0: you
3: You know what i mean i mean just just you know where you are completely one of the things that i like to do in tales from the smoking worm is assume that my reader knows the content that we're referencing and just say go look this up this is where this would sit and they will do that right and in, 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 in a way That's free advertising for Joseph Goodman's products too, right? Because I'm saying you got to have this to do this. Mm -hmm. And so so you need to have a conversation with him ahead of time about those things. And he'll be able to guide you on that specifically. And that'll inform where you're going, whether it's totally generic or not. Um, That said, for instance, fleeting luck is a concept that was created in Lankmar that We're actually reprinting a paragraph from the Lankmar book in issue five of Tales from the Smoking Worm. We got specific permission to do that. It's not a Lankmar concept. It's a Goodman concept. And so, so that it is possible. I mean, Joseph Goodman's a great guy. You just Mm -hmm. need to have an open conversation with him and feel him out for what his limits are and what he knows you can or can't do with, you know, and that, you know, he'll tell you if he thinks you're going to violate a license. Gotcha. Okay, so sorry. Perfect. Did I step on anybody else's toes there? I just no, that no was at all. That was a ton of stuff. But I would, I would <clears> definitely, <throat> in my opinion, you should not. And I don't want to insult anybody. You shouldn't. You should hedge your bets and make sure your modules are as good as, are, are as usable, as useful as possible to as many people as possible. Right? There are weird frontiers, people who, according to David Beatty, bought Weird Frontiers, but have never heard of DCC, right? So that's a market that literally doesn't exist inside the DCC community right now. But they're looking and hungry for Weird Frontiers projects. Gotcha. Are they as numerous as DCC people? Maybe not, but, you know, that's what it is.
0: Yeah, I was thinking there's, there's a lot of ways you can handle this. And I think it comes down to what you ultimately want so i've have, I have an idea of a traveler setting um where I've got six different um systems and doing a zine for each system and have the adventures have the um have the um corporations have hooks have all that stuff for each system in a zine and then then the final one would be I would just um Put some, uh, may put out a free zine for the people that bought it, but then combine it into a book, and then you have your, your book paid for. You have all the art really done, you're ready to go. So as you're going, you're segmenting, as you go through it, it's it's funny, for my goal would be, ultimately, would be to have a completed book, but the zines would be the means to do it. Sure. Gotcha. So, so basically, what you kind ahead. of
1: seems like what we're saying here is, instead of me with this vision of a tome of here's you know here's a bunch of you know one shots that you could run um break it down and do a few one shots and do a series and then maybe at the end of it put it all together as a
0: as a bigger tome what i would be tempted with what you're doing is do them as one adventure per zine and make it as dirt cheap as possible and get (laughs) it and make sure your layout's good make sure it's readable but try and get the price down so low uh that could be a a gimmick as well you know this is a this is a three dollar adventure or or even cheaper this is something where you could
3: tap into the philip reed model of you know cheap pdfs right yeah hey you fund the first one if you really want it in, in you know in in hardback that's fine i'll send you three pamphlets and and you know, you're only talking about four to six pages eight and a half or eight and a half by eleven. Um, i want to I want to point out to you that the cost to produce those is so cheap that it's actually far cheaper for you to literally print them yourself and staple them, yeah <laughs> and and make them make them like an old school zine. I mean, you can mm. buy i I literally have in the room next to me. Uh, an electric automatic stapler that cost me a hundred dollars off eBay. That I bought a new stapler head for because they wear out over like a million staples. And the thing is, you know, I put I put a fifty dollar stapler head into it, and it it rocks. It will saddle stitch all day, and for a couple bucks, you know, or, or an hour's a time, you can put together three or four hundred booklets. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost none of none of, none of your time is taken up by that,
2: and you just, just embrace it. it. You I just recently bought a um, uh, an old Judges Guild um, dungeoneer um, magazine from back in the day, and uh, I, I bought it for it was four bucks. And they had some they had a re- some reviews of some some uh, movies that I thought were interesting that, had, that have been talked about in my circles lately. So I thought that it was kind of fun. But as I'm looking through, I'm realizing this is newsprint, and and Judges Guild right. printed on newsprint forever <laughs> i mean it's it's crazy to think uh that 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 they 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 spent like uh you know i don't, I don't even I'm, I'm sure this had to have been at a college campus or something but uh that all of their stuff for for the longest time was was stapled newsprint in a, in a plastic bag for crying out loud yeah <laughs> but People, you know, root through that stuff like it's the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know, oh, oh my God, God, look at this! You know, it, you know, and, and they'll buy it for one table. But you know, I and I don't know how much newsprint costs, but I do know that there is a company that will make a news a broadsheet. Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll yeah. do a single sheet that you can fold down. <laughs> I mean, oh, really? <laughs> it, it is it, Tim. That is
3: actually a really good idea because you can you can buy a broadsheet that is six. 16 by 22 17 by 22 yeah. they cut the margins um that they will fold for you or they'll ship it flat and it's it's like pennies on the dollar if you get like a thousand of them right it, it was almost it, it was it was super it was not expensive chaosium or not chaosium but the hp lovecraft historical society just took advantage of this with their any award-winning um compilation of props For the uh, first six or seven modules that Chaosium put out in the 80s that Chaosium just reprinted, Um, they did a 16, a full 16 page broadsheet. And then you could literally clip out your stuff and they printed on the back as well so that it had it had the full feel of newspaper. And so, you know, yeah, you there are some creative ways
2: to to deal with it. You know, um, and, and, I, and you I, know, I think if we've, we I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Trevor, as we've seen in that zine group, n- no format is too odd. There is no such thing as a, uh, as a bridge too far. You know, I, I would not be surprised if Philip Reed's next project was tattooed onto his skin, you know, directly. And you, yep, you and, you're and- buying the tattoo and you just barcode it right so it's,
3: there, it's just yeah. a QR code yeah. that you download yeah. <laughs> really?
2: and
1: whenever you and if you
3: ever find him in the wild you can just QR code uh, QR code his shoulder <laughs> yeah absolutely so I mean, I mean but now you did say that you you know your your modus operandi was that you don't want to have to deal with shipping your directly yourself that's why
1: you do print on demand right in the past yes that's exactly yeah. what i've done i did now, once again it's just a allocation of time issue
3: Sure, sure. There are people, uh, Andy Markham and others, who can ship for you. So that is a you know at a small price you can you mm-hmm. can deal with that. Obviously, Lightning Source uh, and everything, which I think you're doing through drive-through, right? So that's Lightning Source yes. printers. Um, they're shipping it out to their to their constituents for you, and and uh, and your uh, your. I'm assuming are you are you, you're recouping? Let me get this straight. You do recoup shipping and then you pay to ship it. Is that correct?
1: Yes, shipping what I've done so far is with Kickstarter's uh I shipping is part of the overall project. So yeah. I collect on that and then when I send it out, I prepay all the shipping. Drive through, I prepay the shipping, whatever the shipping charges are for everything to go out. That way the customer gets you know what? They get the email with the download and then they get the email or they get the hard copy in the mail and they don't pay a second time.
3: And yeah. and that's a perfectly viable and, and and laudable way to do your business, too. I mean, don't don't think that that just because Mark and I like the idea of, of hand making some things that um, that you you feel compelled you have to do that. You can literally, you know, do these as PDFs, right? Mm-hmm. The first two or three with the idea that once you get to a booklet. Then you print the booklet. And so you can do a PDF only Kickstarter.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then collect. Right? I mean,
3: and then and then in yeah. the end, collect it. So make it super cheap. Right. Oh, I'm going to put out three, you know, modules that you can literally you get the PDF and you can print them on front and back on a piece of paper. Um, right. right? Um, and and or or two pieces of paper. One piece of paper would be better. But uh, but you know, on, or maybe it's on a legal size, right? And that, although I have to tell you, that becomes an odd printing size when you finally go do your book, um, yeah. which means it costs more money. Um, so you could start with I'm going to put one of these out a month, right? And get people used to the idea, and then and then what you do is, hey, you bought last, you know, you you. Don't, and I did this with Smoking Worm. I, I have a five dollar PDF. That's the cheapest you'll ever get a Smoking Worm PDF for. But then I have a bundle that only through the Kickstarter, you get all the Smoking Worm PDFs, um, kind of a la Philip Reed, but not quite as cheap. And yeah. and every Kickstarter, I see, you know, $1,000 in sales that are purely PDF sales. You know, so so, I mean, you could start that way. Do two issues. Pay your moderate price. Again, use the same piece of cover art or not even have a cover art. Right, because it's just a PDF. Mm -hmm. You don't want to waste the time of a cover on a on a on a on a double sided sheet of paper.
2: Yeah, you could you can use a banner across the top. That's what uh, that's what uh, Phil's uh, uh, rumor PDFs were. There was Mm -hmm. a banner and a nice piece of text, and then the and then the rest was just a nice two column, really pretty, cleanly laid out, but nothing fancy. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, I mean, that way your costs are way lower. And yes. then you've saved up the money, you know, put it in its own account, call it, you know, Tim's cool, you know, 16 issue fund or whatever. Oh, and, three
0: and day, you... uh,
2: three day bender
3: or whatever. Yeah. You think three day like. bender. That's a great <laughs> Tim's three day benders. There you go. Right? And, and it's three eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper. They pay for, you know, that way they're getting three four hour sessions. I love the idea that that is a great title, right? <laughs> well,
0: and then in, in the end,
3: you get, you get Tim's hole bender, right? Like two weeks of, of, uh, of four day modules.
1: Well, if I, if I see you guys one-on-one, like maybe a game hole or something like that, I'll actually let you know what the whole, what it's tied to. And I've, everyone I've talked to has been like,
0: I I love it. So okay, that's kind of where. Yeah. And I think the thing too, is, a lot of times it's it's those those limitations uh that allow us to be creative (laughs) and i think it's those limitations that can also you know help you stand out it's true yeah yeah yeah, i just i need to take
1: i'm just trying to come up with different ways to look at it to see what can actually make this functional as opposed to my you know illusion delusions of grandeur mm
0: Yeah, it's always hard to 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 um, you know to get to that you know speed that we want to because it obviously does take money to, for art and such, but there's always ways around even that. So I found like with Journey to Madland, I found ways of of fill, filling up the book with with uh, images that I was able to you know um, posterize and uh, make work. So. You know, there's there's opportunities where, you, where if you're looking for them, yeah. and even even that format, you know, <clears throat> where it's cheaper, that may even be, you know, that may even be your your thing too. You know, if you can yeah. produce them cheap enough, like why wouldn't somebody buy four or five, six, seven, eight of them? Why wouldn't stores want to carry them for something that's that cheap to to hand out? um You know, and maybe even Goodwin Games, if it's cheap enough, they'd buy a bunch of them, and who knows, maybe they would they would use it for promotional stuff or. You know, hang them out at cons or whatever it may be. Or you could always speak <laughs> with Joseph about,
3: you know, if, if it's a if it's a generic enough module adventure, you could offer to, you know, for the month of say October, right? It's it's Tim's October bender, right? And and you give out one to every customer for free. So if a customer places an order, they auto get one of Tim's free PDFs that they can choose to download or not, but it doesn't cost them any money. Yeah. Right. And and so that's a way of free marketing as well, because you're getting at customers who routinely go straight to Goodman and don't go necessarily anywhere else. So, you know, I mean, and I, and I, and I bet if you approach Joseph Goodman about that and said, I just want to give everybody who orders from you in the month of October a free PDF adventure, you know, I mean, that's it's kind of hard to pass up that concept. Of, yeah, free I get hand out free. Day. Yeah, yeah, and and who's going to say ah, it's not worth my time to download you know two eight and a half by eleven sheets of paper and maybe it'll be a good you know worthwhile adventure, right? Yeah.
0: So I didn't go as low as Phil does with the dollar PDFs. So I went down to three dollars for Gary's um, appendix. But the think the thing to remember is when you're you're putting out something as a Kickstarter, very cheap, you're you are gaining names. You're gaining. Customers, you're gaining so there's a certain amount, there's a certain marketing value. (laughs) Or is somebody just giving you a a buck? Yeah. Because now every time you do a Kickstarter, they're gonna get notifications. Their friends are gonna get notifications. (laughs) So uh, you know, having those those price points, you know, and I you know, there may be even value just even doing a Kickstarter for something that's like you are talking about the PDFs for just a couple bucks. There's a certain future value uh that that you're kind of you're paying you're getting done that can pay dividends later on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like a lost leader, but may not may not be losing anything, maybe you won't make anything, but um but boy howdy. Um you know if you well, get if you had people buying into that all of a sudden your eye just jumped.
3: Yeah, and, and and a couple of times, you know, I mean, what's it really costing you to give out uh Two pages, you know, two pages worth of stuff. And a couple just Like
1: just Yeah, just the time and effort I put into laying it out and writing it and putting it together, which yeah. I'm doing anyways.
3: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we did, uh, that Tales from the Smoking Worm did, which, by the way, solves your problem of um, not having a player show up in the middle of a three or four session run, is if you go to our website, we have a, uh, an, a DCC day special. PDF that we gave out to people and they, and, 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 uh, during the, actually it was during the, um, Cyclops con, it was a Cyclops con special for 2020 and it is the full rules for the use of something called a silver ball, which is a DM DMs Fiat thing, where the silver ball comes and it gloms onto a person, absorbs them and then spits them out later randomly in the universe, which is by the way, a great way to move characters from one adventure to the next, (laughs) but, but in, in true DCC fashion, it changes them, right? They either mm-hmm. they either come out having done something they don't remember, or like they wake up and they you know they get spit out by the silver ball and they have a tattoo on their back of a map that they don't know that they they have no idea why it's there. Mm-hmm. And so it, there's two or three d d thirty tables that subtly alter the character, uh, you know, sort of not as a penalty but as a, a you know as an enticement for maybe showing up to the session on a regular basis. That may not, you know. I mean, I we've we've had people who show up and they're all blue. After that,
2: you know, or or, you know, so and then they look (laughs) down their back at the tattoo and go, "When the hell did I back Philip Reed's Kickstarter?" (laughs) That's right, (laughs) you know.
3: So so yeah, so so I mean, I you know, uh, the Cyclops Cons. There will be another Cyclops Con in May, and so that gives you time to plan. And it would be great, you know, Tim. I mean, this is something that that you and I could talk to the other. DCC, MCC, Weird Frontiers type of people and say, we'd love to put together a PDF packet, right? Mm. It is, that is, here's a little snapshot of all of our work and just give that to everybody who shows up to the con, right? So again, another little marketing idea. So, and having one or two of your little adventures, you know, people read those, they try them out because, you know, they're hard up on a Thursday night because they don't, haven't had time to work out all of the you know nuances of their game but they've got a game tomorrow
2: and, yeah and
3: a cyclops
2: so, con zine is a great idea yeah then it then that's really special uh i love it i used to do it uh back in the day uh whenever i got the chance i contribute i love it when conventions will give you something unique to the con you know uh whether it's a fiction book or a uh, a zine or a magazine or you know whatever it is what you know that's always a cool cool thing um that would be, that would be a hell of an intention getter yeah
0: so
1: great right. so, great ideas i appreciate
0: ideas yeah it, it definitely is many ways of looking at and that's what's kind of nice to have a, a variety of people kind of look at these issues because we all kind of come at it from, from different experiences and, and different angles but so mark your your problem is too many too many projects not enough time is that
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: once it again was, a day
1: that ends and why
2: <laughs> i had i had it all worked out man it was it was just perfect and then uh my for my sins i'm working with 5e and so uh i got uh, let's not call it scuppered uh but um the the product that they're working on for their winter release kind of takes a shot across my bow. Um and uh, so I have I had to kind of think it through and decide uh am I gonna pass or am I gonna play? And uh uh I've decided to to play. Um the thing that just funded for ZineQuest um for was called Ogre's Eleven. And it was system neutral um, heists that are for your fantasy game. No, no stats. Just here's the setup, and uh, you can drop them in uh, and stat them yourself and go to town. And it funded better than any of the other things that I've done. It's been nice to see. I've got. I've had a gradual stair step up with each project. So this, I more money and more people uh, bought into this, uh, than, than anything else, which is, which is fine. Um, it's based on a product that I came out with, uh, last year or last, last year, last, last month called tools of the trade. <laughs> this is system neutral, uh, heist generator. It, it's got, uh, tables and, and literally builds a fantasy heist for you, uh, in, less than five minutes you flesh it out it takes about 10-15 minutes to to put a heist together but you can literally do it almost on the fly uh it's a thing i've been working on for uh forever i've i've been uh playing with this concept for over 20 years and i got to do a a, the like a really public uh version of it uh in the modifius conan 2d20 game that came out Uh, I was one of the writers on Conan the Thief and, uh, my, I included, uh, a Hyborian age heist generator for that Conan game. And, um, I'm very proud of, of it. Uh, most people that have reviewed it have said that's their favorite thing in the book. So I know that, so in terms of proof of concept, I know that it works. Uh, I've play tested it extensively and, uh, So my plan was to do this, get this out, you know, now in a anybody can do it sort of format and then um, follow it up with a 5e splat book that shows you how to basically turn Dungeons and Dragons into a world of thieves kind of a world. Uh, uh, And so that was called Polite Society. And I've been talking about it for a while now. Uh, I mentioned it in passing. It feels like all the time, but I know it's, that's not the case. So when, when they released, when they made the announcement uh, and and so what I told people, the, the, the log line, the, 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 the selling point that I have used for so many people on Twitter, in Facebook and everywhere is it's like the fellowship of the rings meets oceans 11 (laughs) instead of going to destroy the ring, they're going to steal it. (laughs) And so uh, everybody goes. Oh, I. Oh, okay. Oh, that's really cool. Well, Chris, whatever his last name is, that's the lead, uh, the creative designer for Fifth Edition. Uh, kind of laughingly said, "It's like Ocean's Eleven meets Dungeons and Dragons, and it's all going to be a lot of a one one night uh, single uh, session heist that, that players can just sort of drop into any existing campaign." And I thought, oh boy. <laughs> So my my timeline, which is about three years long, has now uh, exponentially shortened. Um, I think I've just, I think I've got a way to do it that works. that's going to work, um, but um, it's going to have it's going to be crackerjack timing. I'm going to have to basically start another Kickstarter in October for Polite Society. The intention is that it will be it will not come out until the end of 2023. And I'm going to tell people that up front. Uh, The game itself is about 75% written. And um, uh, I'll have a downloadable preview that you can take a look at it. And I've decided that because I'm not going to have the time to do what, what you're talking about, Tim, which is where you buy stuff in advance and build things up and make it look good. I'm going to basically do a Kevin Crawford style Here's a here's a very stripped down, streamlined book. It's everything you need. It's playable. There will be uh, some artwork. There will be some maps. There it will be laid out professionally to look nice, but it's not going to have a lot of bells and whistles. And I'm going to distribute it through Drive Through RPG and PDF and softcover form, and that's it. Um, I'm doing it to get it out uh, because i have the advantage of having there's about to be a lot of material there's about to be a lot of there's about to be a lot of money spent on the dungeons and dragons movie which is about thieves pulling a heist that's and why there's, i think yeah, it's a tie-in yeah, yeah. Yep. and and so i oh, can't yeah, advertise I, I i can i can live in their backstream you know i can i can do a lot of slipstreaming off of that and so um it's really a it's a now or never i feel kind of not never but i won't get a better chance so you just plan on doing one big book is that what you're saying the well well ogres 11 is still going to come out it'll it'll right. it'll ship in january right before
0: right but, but for 2023 for, what do you plan for 2023 just a single quest five
2: uh quest five is going to be a uh support zine for polite society okay So it'll literal. So the way it will be set up is uh, you're going to have to trust me that I have sent you all of these zines on time and I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) But, you know, my plan is to uh, get polite society out. And then the very next month, that first of the quarterly zines shows up with extra stuff bonus content here's some reviews of the books that mark recommended in the back of the of the catalog here's a here's a, a thing i didn't have uh uh you know here's here's a little extra some equipment that didn't make it into the book you know whatever the things are going to be it's going to be those are going to be really
0: like actual zines so it's so, reviews so and polite society is coming out the kickstarter you're saying is in october it's Polite in October. Society. I'm
2: kickstarting it, and, and it'll it'll drop uh in December of
0: 2023. You're saying, the, oh, that you're saying it'll take a, a. You're planning on having it produced in a year. Yes, but then you're having uh-huh. a zine supporting Plight Society. Out it drops before. in
2: January 2024.
1: Oh, in
0: 2024. So okay. that's all the follow up stuff.
2: Yep. Nope. So look.
3: Sorry to interrupt there, Mark. No, it's okay. Can I tell you, I tell you a really interesting story? I, I would love to hear it. First of all, I'd like to tell you that I have, I, I listened to your RPG rambling with um, <clears throat> with Jeff and went and bought Tools of the Trade. Oh. Um, and read it and love it. And my my plan Thank is you. to actually use, I'm I'm. I'm it's probably going to take a little converting. I don't know. I'm going to try it just straight out of the box with Lankmar um, yes. For
1: DCC. Yes. And, I was thinking and, the same thing. That right. that is and a perfect length. Uh,
3: it, it actually, it related. is. Tim. Yeah, it's it's an absolute. And I've been working on some, not, not thieving stuff, but other types of how do you build, you know, this type of a scenario, like a forensics mystery or something like oh, this. Right. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? And how can you just, you know, um, I've, I've got several projects where it's like, you know, here, you want this type of environmental encounter you know, I can't just give you three of them. That's, you know, I'd rather give you a whole bunch of tables and let you generate an infinite variety of them. Right. Um, <clears throat> and this actually ties in with my conundrum, which I'm sure we'll get to next um, follow up to the tools of the trade is great. Um, I downloaded the feather thief and listened to that on the way back from a trip that I did on a bookbinding trip. <laughs> oh, cool. um, Cause I'm a forensics <laughs> guy anyway. And and uh, and a natural history. And my my uh, my Ph.D. is in biology in. Uh, in oh, in well, that's
2: that's all in your wheelhouse, man. Yeah.
3: yeah. Well, and so as a matter of fact, for most of my master's work, I worked on feather identification um, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 under an ornithologist and everything. And so um, I had actually not heard of that. It is a fascinating read. Cool. Uh, you know, I'm glad you liked to- it. It was great, so thank you for the seven hours of, of distraction while I drove. Um, Absolutely happy to do um, it, man. But but my story to get to the point, my story is let me tell you about this great Watsy product called Spelljammer. Okay, and <laughs> and how it does not live up to itself. Yeah, um, and I have it, and it is not the only version of that. Right, second edition Spelljammer is a completely different animal than fifth edition Spelljammer. Um, and for those of you who may or may not be Spelljammer fans, um, if you if you know if you were a Spelljammer Second Edition fan, you're probably going to be unhappy with the Fifth Edition version. Which, yeah. Um, but this is this is a there is a history of this type of product, you know, not being too safe. Mm-hmm. And, and by the court, and it's not just Watsy. It was it you know or Hasbro uh, under Watsy. It was Watsy itself with their City Generator written by yeah. Mike Merles. The fantasy flight version was infinitely better, right? Um, versus the one written by Mike Merles for Watsy, which was tame and had no guts to it. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And so, so I, I, my bet is is that yeah, you, you want to get into that. You know, hey, let me tell you about a heist. But I don't think you're going to have
2: any competition from Watsy. Um, you know, it's yeah, I. It's funny. You're not the only one that's that's mentioned that and and. I kind of it it's it's struck me as I don't want to throw any shade on them because, you know, they're a good company and they try very hard. And I know there's some really talented people working there, but there has not been a hardcover, either a redo of something like Saltmarsh or a new thing like um, like Dragon Heist that didn't immediately uh, show up that there weren't uh, like. A, a horde of ancillary products popping up around it like right in its wake of here's how to fix it
0: yes yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here's some
2: you know you know what i mean I, and I, yeah. and it's, it's and you know it it runs the gamut from here's a here's a d100 table for trinkets for dragon Heist to a guy who's done a series of here's how to properly re structure these adventures so that they make more sense yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um and so um uh not knowing any of these people personally and not uh wanting to uh come off as um uh a snot nosed ingrate, i'll take the pepsi challenge with anybody in that uh group that thinks they can out heist me <laughs> yeah Uh, I, you know, if you haven't read all of the Parker novels by Richard Stark, if you haven't read all the Dortmunders, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't spent countless hours, uh, doing deep dives into all this stuff, um, that's been, that's been the reason why I wanted to do the heist game 20 years ago was that no one's done it right. They'll say, Hey, here's how to let's, this is a heist. Here's the, here's the bar. Here's the guys. Here's where they're stationed when the players uh, kick down the door, they should all be right here. And I go, that's not heist. That's an, ur- that's any urban adventure. That's in. They're all going to, they're always going to kick down the door.
0: You've got to tell them memory. why they
2: can't just kick down the door. And so yeah. I tried to redo it. And and I think hopefully tools of the trade shows there's a procedure, you know, as to why you would want to do it a different way. But I, but I am almost 100% certain in my heart that, that that will be absent from this product that's going to come out in the winter of this year, this key to the golden palace thing. So so yeah, I I think it's going to be a lot of work and I'm 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 just gonna to have to keep my nose down uh and 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 give and give probably a weekly report so people know, you know, that I haven't fled Mexico to get um, you know, matching tattoos or whatever. But um what? but yeah the I I think I can I may not be able to get it in production values. I'm. I, I there's no way I can compete with the art team, and the the graphics design department. But I think I can do it with the
1: content. So, anyways. Well, one thing: make sure that you put at the end your own personal appendix H, yeah. your appendix of all the heist modules. I did. Or a heist yeah. Book that you yeah. read.
3: Tools so. the trade has 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 a I think an
1: abbreviated version. Um, yeah yeah, just like it but instead of appendix n it's your
0: appendix h yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely yes tell me how many many words or how many pages do you think this is going to be mark the um the tools of the trade well
2: this is going to be embedded in the book uh it'll be and it'll be it'll be tweaked to be more 5e friendly uh a lot of this stuff in here is is intentionally vague because i don't know what you call a wizard in the game you're playing right but i will when i re when i go back through the this generator i'll put back in sorcerer warlock artificer etc um i'm envisioning 75 80,000 words you know um a lot of a, a lot of what the heavy lifting is going to be is going to be backgrounds for the player classes. And then new archetypes for almost, yeah, I think actually every single one of the existing character classes, there's gonna be a new archetype to You, to you may wanna,
0: if you haven't been, I think with 1D and D, I just I, I enjoy more following the controversy in the right. in the and uh, the uh, opinions. But uh, one thing it does sound like they're doing well with this new version is retooling the backgrounds, and you may want to pay close attention to how that's going to work in the future because that could be.
2: I took a look at that, and then I saw what their timeline was, and I think that my product is going to benefit better from a from a focus in. Because I'm simulating genre with this, you know, in a in a way that that basic D anD D, let's is you know, which is kind of generic fantasy. It, you know, they're trying to sort of open it up to let anybody be anything, and I'm saying, hey, we're playing in a world of thieves, so these backgrounds are going to be the ones that you want to focus yeah. in on because it's going to simulate that
0: genre. Well, what they, what I understand they're doing, they're having like the individual components being floating and out there. Right. And then they're saying, but for these types of archetypes, these are the suggestions and so that yeah. people can tailor make it. But I'm just saying is it might also, you know, I know we're still a ways off from that, but it does yeah. sound like people do seem to like to where they're going with that
2: aspect. Sure. And 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 certainly there won't be a I won't say that you can't do that, but I'm going to go ahead and put them in there as examples of, you know. You're going to need some of this stuff to make the the thieves work, you know? So, and also there it's, we're a year out. I'll have this done before, uh, before one comes out. I'm not, I don't know how many people are going to leave 5e personally. I'm my, my money is on D and D one, getting a new, getting some of the younger kids. But I think most of the older folks that, settled with five and said okay we're happy don't mess this up i think they're going to stay right where they are i i could be wrong obviously but I, um yeah I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna retool um i thought about that too
0: and i, I that- think everybody that buys uh tsr modules will convert because yeah. there will be compatibility but they're going to nerf uh the previous editions classes right.
3: Yeah. I'll tell
1: you one of, one of the things I actually find really interesting about your whole heist series is I've always been of the belief and feeling that the thief class is too generic mm-hmm. because there's so many different types of thieves. Are you a con man? Are you a, you know, are you a, fr- you, know, but, you know, and when yeah. you look at a heist, you're pulling all these different archetypes of different types of thieves that need to come together for this. And and, you know, there's no way right now to play unless you just do it as straight role playing. There's yeah. no way to really do a thief that is a specific type. You know, this one, you know, this one is a cat burglar versus this one is. something. Yo, know, So that that's the thing that really kind of gets me jazzed about the whole heist thought process is that you can do that and create those from it. And I yes. think that's actually one of the big strengths of it.
2: Yeah, that's going to. That, and that's that's part another thing that the backgrounds are going to do there's going to um the charlatan class that they came up with uh for the backgrounds is very it's not generic but it tries to do too much heavy lifting you know it tries to it tries to be every like con man and it kind of fails and so i broke that up into three different backgrounds the gambler the mummer and the grifter and so with backgrounds that's see that's the other thing jeff that they're doing is they're letting you now put um stat bonuses in on the backgrounds yeah and 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 instead of these little like role playing things they're kind of feats my background things are kind of they're not feety but they but they 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 have more thief like advantages to them so i think it's going to i think anybody that looks at it and says you know, I can convert this into D and D one. We'll, we'll not have any problem with it. They're there. I don't think my stuff's going to be the issue. I think it'll be the other way around. They're going to have to figure I, out how to make their stuff work. So yeah, I'm one another
1: thing that, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. One other, one other thing that really uh, kind of stuck, I think someone who did it well was when you read through Lankmar and they talk about the background of where you came from your doom and your benison you know who you know so basically what is the what good thing do you have going for you what bad thing do you have going for you and i that really what i've found is that when you actually play those it adds a ton of flavor to the individual character and so that and it sounds like is that the way you're leaning when it comes to backgrounds doing something similar? yeah there's going to be
2: yeah you'll have uh you know, th- there will always be um, you got you you got baggage with you. You know, you're either uh, you either owe somebody uh, a gambling debt and you've got to you know, you're doing this. So you can help pay it off and keep them from breaking your family's legs or you've got, uh, uh, you know, you, you you cheated somebody and they never forgot it. And in fact, they've swore vengeance. That's all that is the stuff that pops up later in the middle of the heist yeah. <laughs> when, when it's the most inconvenient time to have somebody from your past show up. That's, that's every good height. Well, it's every Steven Soderbergh heist movie <laughs> that he's made, but it's also, you know, it's a, it's a classic of the genre, you know, and uh, uh, it's a, it's a so level. all of this, all this stuff is, is basically, you know, is this something that I would have seen in, in a Donald Westlake novel? yes okay or a gregory mcdonald fletch book you know okay then yes that's what we're gonna you know move off of so um and and of course and as soon as i did this my buddy um bill willingham who was one of the first play testers of this said okay now when are you going to do it for modern days because i really want to play parker (laughs) oh geez (laughs) can parker be a dragon (laughs) (laughs) or a or a beholder something man so that, but my my problem is going to be the the timing. It's going to be the crackerjack timing of this, and making sure that I stay ahead and, and meet my my schedules and my deadlines. I don't think that uh, um, I'm going to have a problem with that, since so much of what I've been working on has been working towards polite society anyway. So getting it into the book is going to be a, essentially a layout issue, and not a oh I've got to write three sections. But my other problem is, is I'm now asking people to take a chance on me. And I don't have the credentials in the gaming world that other people do. I, you know, I mean. So can I give you a suggestion on that? Absolutely. So when Wolfgang Bauer
3: struck out from, uh, from Watsi, (sighs) went on his own, he created something called Open Design and Empire of the Ghouls originally came out of that. Uh, the Mountain of the Stone, or the Dwarven wow. Stone King Mountain, or whatever came out of that. There were several uh, six Arabian Nights, not the seven, but the six Arabian Tales came out of that. He had a whole bunch of things that came out under this concept called open design. And the way open design worked was you kicked in money, you could kick in a couple different levels of money that should sound familiar um and, and i mean some of these you know to get a hardback of the original empire of the ghouls i think i paid 150 dollars to get involved wow. and and so you you were going to get the hardback at the end but he had an open design website and i'm not saying you have to get your own website that you logged into whenever you wanted to and he had an open had an ongoing weekly dialogue with his players and one of the things that happened when wolfgang bauer you know cobbled press and everything went to Kickstarter was that open design process got lost. And I have to tell you, um, I participated in probably three or four of those open design systems, uh, you know, projects. And they were some of the most satisfying conversations I ever had with players. He would lay out, here's chapter three, and it has to deal with, uh, you know, it's like Halls of the Mountain King, I think was the one I, if I remember correctly. And he was like, you know, this is it. And he would lay out the module for you to look at. And then he would say, but I'm having a problem here. I'd like to have this cool kind of like, you know, Hearthguard, you know, Dwarven ancestor type of thing here. What do you guys think? What, what could we come up with? And literally, you know, I threw out a template. I was like, here is the ancestor. You know, this is the, our deceased Hearthguard dwarf. They turn to stone. They, you know, as they die, they dedicate themselves to the Dwarven family, to the Canton. And they're basically standing as a stone statue until, you know, an alarm goes off and then they, they activate. And so, you know, that got published, right? My template got published in in Empire, the Mount halls of the Mountain King or whatever it was. And so, but those interactions were great because you could just throw that up there and say, here's my idea. And people would interact almost like a Facebook group, right? And as yeah. a matter of fact, that's where maybe having a, a you people buy in and, you know, for a while for Tales of Smoking Worm, we had Facebook group level support where you could buy in and get access to this. We have a secret Facebook group yeah. Um, where you know all of the smoking worm stuff gets discussed, and art gets posted, and concepts get put up there, and I ask polls, and we don't have as many conversations now as we used to, um, and all of those people's um, support levels have have died out. You know, we 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 were pretty heavy for about a year, and then we've kind of phased that out. And I no longer have it as a Kickstarter level, but um, but this is your opportunity to take your product, which you say you have kind of 70% written yeah. and put up chapters every month and break it down into weekly conversations with your players and let them tear it apart and help you make it better. Um, because those Wolfgang Bauer projects were infinitely better by the time they left the group think yeah, concepts yeah. and everything and people throwing out ideas. And by the way, some of his most successful writing staff, started as open design supporters, right? So um, if you look at his top three or four stable of writers, those people were originally people who wanted to get involved with open design
2: yeah. as
3: supporters. And now they write full-time for him. That's right? a
0: fantastic idea.
3: So well,
0: take I think that. You know, I think what, what you're saying, and I think that, I'm gonna, I am may add a little something different, but like why kickstart now? <laughs> Why not do like what Trevor's saying? Get your community going, get things going. Then, when you get it more developed, then run your Kickstarter in August or October. Well, I have been
2: vamping for this for a while now, and I have even put a lot of uh, stuff out in other places to show people, like, hey, this is what I'm working on. This is the thing. Um, the Dungeons and Dragons movie is gonna be the spring break film, right? So it comes out the first weekend in March. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, the anticipation leading up to it is gonna be the the biggest factor of time when I'm gonna be able to have that conversation uh, freely and generously with, with pretty much anyone with even a passing interest because that that uh that trailer the ad campaign materials for it uh this hardcover book in the winter of 2023 whatever winter means uh to them i think i think it has to do with when the boat gets back from china with the stuff on it is to when winter happens but you know all of those things are uh are are going to be sort of at a kind of a, a choke point, uh, somewhere between November and probably January or February, and so um, of, of,
0: okay of uh, January and February of, the, of next year,
2: yeah. The so th- that's going to be really the 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 biggest um, uh, time to to bang the drum to uh, to get people
0: interested to. You
2: but know, you're going to have your
0: Kickstarter before that, though.
2: I, I need to have it in October
0: uh, so that I can. Uh, so you're, you're, you're launching your Kickstarter before, before launch the... here, so you're really losing out on all that hoopla, what you're saying you're, you're looking for. I think, I think there's a better solution.
3: Okay. I think you, I think you kickstart your project twice. Oh, I think you kickstarted in October for a buy-in to an open design type process where you throw out an ogres 11, you know, once a month, you give them a free heist. Yes. Right? Yes. That they yes. only get through that Kickstarter yes. and will never be supported again. And then you, when you're done with it, you Kickstarter a second time for the people at a, at a higher price, right? For the rest of the people who didn't get, in, didn't get involved.
2: Wow. Wow. I'm writing this down oh,
0: well and, and that's
1: the the thing is if the movie and all this other stuff is going to generate all of this wind, you want your sail up at that same time so that you can take advantage of it because that's what's going to get you the bit best bang for your buck, yeah, so you you kind of you need to hit that window,
2: yeah so so let me. Trevor, let me make sure I understand you're, you're the, the Kickstarter would be an open design thing. We're going to have a Facebook group. I'm going to post regular chapters up for y'all to look at and, and kick around once a month as a thank you. Everybody gets a free heist that yep. will not be available anywhere else.
3: Nope. Um, and and you, you give it out as a PDF. Yeah. Um. And, and then you're like, this is it. I will never reprint this heist. This is, this is, you're, you're going to get, Uh, you know, a year's worth of heists, right? You're going to get, you're going to get an Ogres 11, right. For free. Right. Every year, you know, I mean, for, you know, once a month and you're going to get to contribute and in, in discussion form and help you refine those concepts. Maybe they get to, and one of the things that Bauer had also was he had active playtesting groups. Right. And so this is where he refined his playtesting style. Um, and everything as well and so you could tell them those heists could be the play
1: tests you yeah know, another thing too is i i'm a person i'm personally a guy who loves the random tables you know mm-hmm. where you throw and try and generate it and stuff you could actually use your tools of the trade generator to create the heists and use them as examples to show people how to use that tool to cre- here's the heist that we created yeah. using tools of the trade and oh, yeah. I, i'm I'm kind of way ahead of you on that <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I mean, and, then throw, and then do a video yeah, make it a little more funky throw a little extra yeah. stuff in there that but you know what now you're back promoting your tools of the trade as well as front front loading for the uh, new one that's coming out
2: yeah right that I, I actually had planned on doing a video that was that i was going to put with the kickstarter that was going to be just me rolling in real time and talking through the results to show you how the heist can come together
3: but but you do one of those every month and they go on youtube and you post them all over the place and that's your and and then they're linked to each other yeah right? and so so you're really just taking and turning that free product that's the open design product into also a marketing product for the next thing not only for tools of the trade Right, but also right. for
0: the second Kickstarter. Yeah.
1: Well, the because other thing you're too is do- when you. Lo- I'm sorry. You're go right. ahead, Jeff.
0: Well, I was saying it's not like Trevor. You're trying to do is is use Kickstarter in a way like the, the Patreon. Pa- yeah, that's what I was thinking.
3: Like a subscribe I, you know, I, I and I and I've been. This is something I've been working with myself for a while. Is I would love to have Tales in the Smoking Worm as a subscription. Where, like, in January, I run a Kickstarter. Everybody subscribes for a year. I say, you're going to get four issues. Right. And then, and then, and then, you know, work them through that. I mean, you could do that in Patreon too, but I don't think Patreon gets, it doesn't get the, the, the walkthrough. It doesn't get the um, attention Yeah. That, that Kickstarter does. And then once the subscription's going, there's less need, to, you know, there's less desire to buy into it. Right. Because I mean, what you really need is I need those fixed numbers in advance so, I have a budget that I'm working with. well, all.
0: you already have a list of people, yeah that, that have bought and so you could actually just email them separately saying this is what I'm doing and do a pre-order I could right and so and so you could work all that through PayPal, for instance
2: right
3: um and and so, but that takes a lot of manpower and time and this sorry, this isn't the problem that I came on the show with <laughs> <this> is, <laughs> so, it's um, a rambling problem. it's a rambling problem right. It, <laughs> How I, I wish I could make. I mean, Goodman Games did um, did a subscription on their Kickstarter for Tales from the Magician's Skull, right? The second oh, time yeah. I ran that Kickstarter, and 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 everything. So, you know, yeah, it, it's it, I I you know I think there's more to it, Mark. That second Kickstarter needs to be special in some way too.
2: Yeah, um,
3: and maybe you have a tier for previous Kickstarter supporters. Hmm. where where they finally get their print version of those of those heists or something right um right. but you know i mean there's 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 but but having that double kickstarter might i'm not saying it doesn't i'm not saying we've solved every
0: problem for it yeah. i'm saying
2: yeah yeah no it's a hell of an idea though it uh, also fits
0: in what tim's problem was too <laughs> yeah you could to a subscription <laughs> there you go i'm doing something every t- every every yeah then every i gotta two do something months. every week though and right
1: now no. it fits right. into my he schedule was trying to because a- i could do stuff anywhere you know anytime yeah. when i have when i'm he was
3: available. trying to he was trying to avoid having deadlines <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> well we better get to trevor because it's getting yeah. uh yes, yes. The- getting. <laughs> so what's your yeah. conundrum so here's
3: my conundrum so i have a series of products the first one is done it's written it's in art design um this is a product that i'm paying for off of proceeds from other products sort of tim style um you know i've got this it's a series of products called sandbox set pieces okay um i'm not i mean i can write adventures um I, i you know obviously i've run adventures for years I don't like pre-published adventures. I like to tear them apart and rebuild them. Right. Um, but I've never been a big fan. Uh, what I want is I want a really, really, really well-designed temple, right? Or a really well-designed something. So the first sandbox set piece is House of the Petrified Frog. It's essentially a one-room dungeon that uh, that is, you know, uh, kind of tomb of horror style. It is trapped all to high heaven. Uh, It has a very specific setup, um, but it could be used in many different ways. Right. And, and I, and I have a preamble that leads into that. It actually gives you seven different ways you could work it into an existing campaign, but it also leaves it open. There is no plot tied into specific things in the rooms. Right. So it's not like you're going on an adventure and, Oh, I'm finding, you know, the, the, the pen that I need to write the magic quill that I need to, you know, seduce the griffin to get the griffin toe. So like, you know, there's none of that. There's no, there's nothing. It's a sandbox set piece. It's a place you want to go to. And that's the idea for the product line. Now, the first one, House of the Petrified Frog, like I said, is done. Um, we're in art development right now. Um, I expect this to be, that'll probably be a, a little mini box set all by itself. <clears throat> but I have a couple of products that I've been working on that cross over and and right now just to preamble in case nobody doesn't know nobody knows this or um i'm working within the dcc goodman games sphere like tim right and so i've been looking for a product line that or a, a series of products that would cross over into dcc cross over into mcc and have lots of permutation permutations and possibilities right and so what I have settled on for these two very large projects that I'm working on is um six by nine four ring binders, kind of like monstrous compendium style second edition setup. Wow, where you I give you a map. This is a major set piece, right? I can't tell you what the set pieces are. I can tell you that they exist in the real world today, right? And they're massive and they're important and they're critical, and they would be awesome in MCC. They would be awesome as like portals in the DCC. But the idea is, is that every room could be swapped for alternate versions of those rooms, and you would literally hand-assemble your version of the dungeon for that location in a binder, right? So you could have the Thunder the Barbarian, High Wizardry type of version of this room, and then you could have the... The radiation rad zoned out version of the next room, and and things, and then you could have a DCC warped thing in the next room, right? Wow! But it, and then that would all connect together. And 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 I know that that probably sounds insane, but with the set pieces that we have in mind, it actually works really cool. And the nice thing about these set pieces is they exist multiples in the landscape, and so you could literally do a point crawl or a hex crawl where you you routinely encounter these things, right? And so then, because you have different permutations, you could rebuild them every time and use essentially the exact same basic map. Mm-hmm. And it would be different every time you loaded it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So yeah. it's a ziggurat that could be used for, ziggurat it could be used for weird frontier, frontiers because it's, it's some Peruvian thing that you're down there. Yeah. It could be post-apocalyptic or whatever and then you could you could just run it straight one way run it straight another way run it straight another way and then you could mix and match later on or that's you right could, or you could just yes. say i'm just going to go ahead and do the dungeon crawl classics with my mutant crawl classics but instead of mutants it's just going to be regular monsters reality How you want to do
2: it yeah reality warps and each room is in a different well, it doesn't uh, have to be warp reality space. warps it
3: could just be a different pyramid
2: yeah, it could
3: be the different it could be the one next door, right? could the, the one down the street or 20 miles away or whatever. Cool. And so the other idea is, is because I have created this system where you can swap out rooms, I could literally build it, set up a license like Weird Frontiers has, and Tim could write his version of those rooms, and they could go right into the three wing binder, and then they could be sorted as well. So if other creators wanted to get on board, whether it's now or later, they could literally do their own version of that product with only needing to do the stripped down small stuff, not needing to do the binder, not needing to do the big maps, not needing to do all that stuff. They would literally be able to pick up that template and say, okay, here is room 2A, here is room 3B, here is room 4C. And that one happens to have, you know, a type four demon in it and it, you know it has this whole theme right and so the idea is so, but here's the problem three ring binder or four ring binder projects typically fail yeah right um monstrous compendium failed that was a that was a straight up tsr failure to understand the parameters of their product line right. and literally publishing two monsters on the same piece of paper so you couldn't alphabetize your monster's compendiums. And I have every single one they've ever published. Plus I have all the Mayfair Games versions uh, because Mayfair Games was doing the same thing with all the demons and devils so that they could insert right into your D&D second edition products, right? And so, I mean, but there, it's a phenomenal idea. Um, and so the idea is that you would have the binder. <clears throat> this is something, uh, binders are expensive, but I found a way to make them cheap um, and still high quality. Um, it requires an investment ahead of time on my part, um, and everything. And so I'm in the conundrum of, is the binder the best idea? To me, it is for the mix and match ability of, I want to be able to show up with exactly what I need for this location as a GM, but is it a good, you know, is it something that, that, that other, that people will buy into, you know, it's a more expensive version than, I, you know, buying a couple of soft cover books. Right. Right. Are you, are you seeing the, the, the problems that I'm, that I'm set with
2: on this? Oh Uh, yeah. You've got, you've got a big logistical retool happening. That's, that's using non-standard equipment, supplies, procedures and everything. And, and you've got to lay it out in advance and then go, what's now, now I want you to buy it. I mean, that's, Yeah, That's a big ask. Uh, That's a huge ask.
1: I will say, though, I I feel Trapper Keeper more than three-ring binder. (laughs) (laughs) I do like the idea of people just going down and buying Trapper Keepers, but I I also like... um... Especially if you give them a piece of artwork that they can shove in the front pocket there. They they don't have pockets like that. Trapper Keepers are sealed all the way around. I thought... You could go in on the it's got the plastic or they've got that plastic thing on the outside. You could actually slit the top of it. Can you you could slit
3: the top of it. So I could I could we could run a we could run a low jack uh video on how to low jack your your trapper keeper and make it usable for this system. Um Exactly. You know, I mean, so DCC people and and Goodman Games folks in general love the idea of the trapper keeper and everything. Um I'm <laughs> not I mean, they do. I mean, I have yeah. seen yeah. several things on That's DCC their aesthetics. <laughs> Yeah. It, there is an aesthetic of the '80s and and yeah. the trapper keep and uh, everything. I'm actually that's what we looking, grew up with. That's what we grew up with, right? Mm-hmm. And and I totally get that. And um, and so you know, and I used to use paper bags to cover all my books, and then I would scribble all over them and everything. I and frankly, I still have those in a filing cabinet. Um, the covers, right? So so the, those things obviously meant something to me when I did them. Um, I'm looking for a smaller package, though. I I'm not a big fan of the eight and a half by eleven format um i like something smaller doesn't mean it doesn't have to have scope but i'm but that's why i've been looking at this six by nine size can i Um, can i
2: ask you how are you wanting to um uh are are these going to be are these elements that are these swappable elements are they going to be printed on cardstock or they'll be on a they'll be on a high end
3: uh, for mine versions they will be on a higher end paper that is that is heavier weight so that they can withstand you know tearing and stuff right that was another flaw of the of the original monsters compendium is tsr put them out on a fairly cheap paper yeah um and so they didn't last and it's also a problem of three rings versus say four rings right Mm -hmm. it turns out the more rings you have the less wear and tear they take right so that's why you have like a lot of personal planners or six ring binders yeah Um, and so so the, the, the binder, I, the binder mechanism that I'm, I have, I'm currently focusing on is a four ring binder, six by nine, matte black. So it's got a different,
1: almost, almost like the, uh, like the trapper or the personal, uh, Oh God, what were they? I used to have back in the day, uh, you know, the Stephen Covey put out the, you know, for your, um, your calendars. That's day exactly day right. Yeah, and there, would planner. Be,
3: there would be no problem with actually creating a near like trapper keeper wraparound with a magnet. That would take me a little more effort. My idea was a half clamshell case. So you would have supports at the edges. So it would fit more like a book and less like a, a binder in that V, you know, you would give you room to kind of cushion the papers from getting damaged. Um, and this, and it has another benefit in that I can do different v- variant covers um, and stuff. There's there's a specific line of covers that I'm using to that I really want to do to mimic um, real world products. I have a little fly, a fruit fly, that is walking over my camera. Um, I have flies all throughout the house. But usually also, they're it, usually it, they're it, contained. Um, so I don't I know would, where it came from. Are you living you in Amityville? Yeah. <laughs> Get
1: out. Um, so so I the idea go, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I would almost think just like they did with those day timers where you bought the the cover as a completely separate product from the material that went inside, you know, and you'd buy a new, every year you would buy a new insert for the next year that comes in. Right. Um, you all, it's almost like you need to do it on two separate things. And it also, that allows those people who are cheap and don't want to get that the, the, the cover just, Hey, I want the material. I'll put it in my own book or I'll keep it in a, in a folder or whatever so that they can, you know, access it as well, as opposed to the person who wants to shell out big bucks for the whole, for the whole thing.
3: And I don't think we're talking about huge dollars. Right. I mean, I, you know, I I know, I don't, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Right. I mean, I, I do think that, you know, I'm looking at an inch and a half deep D ring binder. So you can probably fit three or four variants of each room. Um, and, and one of the things I would do for a room is they would not, so this is where it gets a little more complicated sometimes. If a room required more than a two page spread, right? More than a single piece of paper folded over, I might even saddle stitch that. So it's its own booklet, right? So that the room is contained. So it's not a whole bunch of loose leaf papers you could lose. If you were going to lose it, you'd lose the whole thing. Not just like page three. (laughs) Does that make sense? Which would be a pain. That would be horrible. And, yeah. and the advantage is, is there are actually some there are actually some new Canon printers called the the Max uh, was it Maxis line or something like this? They're actually uh, ink 600 dpi inkjet tub uh, ink tub printers, right? So you actually they are meant to be refilled. They don't have cartridges. They literally have what looks like water bottles that you just dump in. Yep. Um, and there are high chroma variants of those already. And this paper, uh, the, these printers can take up to four foot pages. They can actually run through twelve 11 and a half by four foot sheets of paper, and they've got they've got opening. So you can actually print these out, and uh, and get quite a bit of bang for your buck out of them. So there, you're, and you're talking about this as a commercial printer, correct? As as a low end commercial printer, because yeah, you look at Mac. You look at Mixam. Mixam is printing. On a high end, those Indigo printers, the Indigo 70, 7600s and everything, yeah. those printers are three hundred DPI inkjet printers. Now they may be big machines, but they're but the actual print head is no better, in most respects, than a six hundred DPI cannon. Wow, right? Wow. And so the question becomes: when you're dealing with some of these smaller things, it is literally. Cheaper to buy the machine and print it yourself, (laughs) and then pay yourself for the labor. Yeah, than it is because because like Tim said, the printing costs are expensive, right? As we all know, if you know you know an average smoking worm to get three hundred and fifty copies printed on Rizzo, which is high end print system, right, is twenty five hundred dollars. Jeez, right? And now you know my backers already pay that if I can print it with the same or better quality and, you know, pay myself the labor. Um, then you do your own assemblage. And yeah. I do my own assemblage, right? Yeah. That becomes, you know, because it's, because unlike Tim, I don't have an academic job or, or, a, you know, a financial job outside of this. This is, this has become my job. So it's mm-hmm. worth my time to take a, to take the time to manufacture my own products it allows me to have ultimate quality control over a product. We've seen some Mixam disasters on the RPG zines group. Right. Right. And if I'm not happy with it, I just scrap it and start over. Right. Um, yeah. And so, so you know, those things are important to me. Making sure that, that you know, when I've got a sorry, I got a stack of products just sitting off the camera that I've been working on. Um, you know, when when a, when a person gets it, my backer, I want them to be eminently happy. With the product they got yeah right i mean so you know tim has that i want them to get it right away it's almost like a shopping experience which is a great idea and you know if i could do that i would you know i'm like i want them like an apple product i want them to open
0: it and go oh wow Mm -hmm. this
3: is awesome
0: right now the question that i would have going back to the, the binder is do you think that there would be enough people wanting the value of being able to switch rooms around like it's a neat concept, but do you think there's enough people to say yeah that's a feature I'm wanting or needed? So
3: in the DCC zine, uh, DCC scene, not zine scene, I see lots of con uh, plays where people are always like, ah, oh, I'd really like to play you know the Court of Chaos, which is frankly a a twenty or thirty hour module, and but I need to mac I need to make it three and a half hours long because that's the normal zine slot, uh, scene's, you know con slot. And so here you could literally narrow it down to exactly what you feel you want to do. Right. I do think that there is a lot of interest in replayability, especially in the DCC community where that gives some interesting variation for the judge, as well as the players. I have run some of, some of these intro modules for DCC. I've run 20 or 30 times, you know, and often many of your con DMs have run them hundreds of times. So, from a campaign perspective, it makes a really awesome concept as a sandbox set piece, something that you could encounter again and again. That's got huge replay factor, right? And I could see someone building a campaign around a simple, you know, a single concept and, you know, hex crawling across the surface of the rat, you know, of the, uh, you know, uh, what is it again, uh, Tim, the earth in uh, MCC. It's um,
1: oh Terra uh, A D, yeah.
3: Terra, you know, crawling across Terra A D is explorers and exploring the same thing again and again, but hitting variations every time. That the player, does, you know, that the judge doesn't have to do much, too much thinking about, right? And you can yeah. also create recipes. Absolutely, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Think of it. It's like it's like um, suddenly that becomes like Jolly Ranchers, right? Yeah, or exactly. Or Jelly Bellies, right? <laughs> you know, try try, you know, you know, a three and you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Here's that. And, yeah. uh, and everything. So
0: well,
1: I get... we're, we're, we're both looking at the same, the same, I don't know if I'd call it a problem, but the same thing, are uh, solving the same solution, which is how to take something that's like a big campaign and turn it into a bite-sized module for cons or for individual single night play. But you're going the route of saying, here's a universal system. That I yeah. could take and do it as a one piece that's repeatable, or you can take this and put add these to it and create a campaign and something that's long term. Yeah. So, I, I definitely think you're on the right track, and I think going modular in it. And, and when I say modular, I'm still thinking of the the day planner. You know, yeah. I remember going into the day planner store, and it was here's calendars, here's note pages, here's this, here's that. And I put together the date planner that I needed to use. And then I would go in the next quarter and buy different fills to put in based on what was going on. And I almost kind of see your, what you're doing is a similar thing where here you're buying the cover, the day timer, and then you're buying the, the fill in pieces. separately.
3: Yeah. And, and it's something that also has, repeat Kickstarter aspects. So we could go back as we come up with ideas and invite guests to come in and do their take on some of the rooms. You know, you could do interesting, you know, variants later on as they come up, right? As as you, I'm not, I'm not on the hook to create 12 variants for every room in the beginning, right? If I had, you know, two or three or four, that's enough to get you started. And then Players, judges could do their own, right? Oh, I I really want to take room 2A and I want that to be unique to me. And they only have to design the room, right? And so there's a whole bunch of, or or like I said, if Tim's like, oh, this is a great idea. Here's my version of this thing to add into the mix, license it out so other people can use it, right?
0: Because then that just supports the central sandbox set piece. Well, but I think if I were wanting to do, what I would want to do is somehow give, if I were wanting to do this, I'd want to give it to you to sell on your Kickstarters. So maybe that's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're like, you're the one that's going to be selling all these. I want my packet to be you to sell with my pack. You'd be selling my packets and work out a deal yep. that way.
3: So just, that's an interesting idea.
2: I hadn't thought about it that way.
0: I don't
3: I don't it.
2: know that this is, uh, it, I mean, it, it it sounds well realized. I think your only hurdle is going to be convincing people that the, that the concept is, is sound. Yeah, And I think the way that you can do this is regrettably throw a little shade at the monstrous compendium. Uh, you can use that as your springboard to talk about how this setup is different. I'm using better paper. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, it's smaller, it's more compact. These aren't going to wear out as as much. You know, literally show how you have put some thought into reutilizing that germ of a good idea that they botched, and you know, introducing it in a different way. I think if you can do that and and use that as a as your talking point, you'll at least. Um, you'll you won't you won't completely negate but you'll mitigate the people who are going to take one look at that and go it's monstrous compendium all over
1: again pass,
2: pass. it's the nightmare
3: you know, right
1: yeah. yeah what about this because I mean you you know that you know the dCC FCC community is pretty tight and we you know we see each other at a lot of a different events and things like that what about taking one or two of your sandbox set pieces? create a few covers and give them to key people. Like say, give one to Brandon LaSalle, give one to Curtis, give one to people, you know, that run them at con games and just say, Hey, can you run this at a con game and let them, and let them play with it and let them do it. And then when they go to, when they go to Gary con, when they go to game hole con and they're, they're running a game and they whip this out and flip it open and kind of go through and run the, uh, the module that way or run something that way then other people are seeing it in use and so it's it's almost like you're having uh not that they're social influencers but you're actually letting people see how it works and see that proof of concept
3: i mean one thing you could do is i could provide a booklet at the beginning that has you know you have the kind of the general variants right a b c and everything and literally the first 15 minutes is you have the players assemble that that event right We're Mm -hmm. going to go through six, you know, seven rooms in this four hours and each of you are going to roll a room and I'm going to assemble it in front of you and then we're going to play it.
2: Yeah. And I've
3: looked at all the rooms. I know what all the rooms are. Right. But so that's not the issue, but we're going to create a unique bespoke for this group
2: experience
3: that's randomized.
2: And you can even have it be in game. Have the sorcerer tell you you'll choose your own fates. I'll yeah. not be a party to it. So draw, yeah. but draw carefully because yeah. not all of the rooms are created equal. And then now this you've is... got a the drama, oh, yeah.
0: you know. Yeah. Yeah. You can have this a tomb of horrors you. that you yeah. just mix in. Like it's the I yeah, mean you, you may get S. S. The, the tomb of horrors, horrors or you may oh, not. Yeah.
1: Totally. Not not my fault is the DM. <laughs> this is on you. Hey, yeah. This you on you, did this, so I'm
2: just here to help.
1: Yeah. yeah, I
3: mean, it would be easy enough for me to get some prototypes built um that are production level quality. And then take them to cons with a team and have them run them and then and then photograph that, you know, use that as a as a as a discussion point as a blog and things like that to get the word out so people can see. Well, you'd also
0: get feedback too if you need to change things.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So essentially you're play testing.
1: Yeah. And,
3: and so that's all you're doing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um and and I know that you've got the 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 awesome antique setup there for printing stuff, which I still want to see (laughs) and play with sometime, but you've got, you've got the ability to put something like that together, I think. And, uh, and that, and and that's, that's it. So
3: that's a use of these tools that I have, um, and everything. And and I literally have the production level equipment to sit there and assemble a thousand binders in a couple of
1: days, right? That's, that's not hard right? So his setup is awesome. I, well, I've seen pictures online, but it, it's of, easy. Right? yeah, Yeah. And so, yeah. So
3: Mark, I guess maybe you, so, so I purchased when I started gaming, uh, let me go back. Let me sum up. Um, when, <laughs> when, when I, when I, my plan originally was to do this in retirement in like 10 years. And then I discovered that I was retiring earlier than I thought. And, um, and so i had already put out a couple of the first couple of issues of Tales of the Smoking Worm, mm-hmm. and I was looking for a way to make that more complete. I really wanted to own the means of production. I've published yeah. many things in my years and never had the full ownership of everything and stuff. And that and that right. is frustrating on multiple levels. That's all I'm going to say on that. Um, and so this was a, a desire to control the aspects of everything that i put together. so, you know, at some level maybe that's an ocd problem. but um but what i did was i i i i was looking for one piece of equipment and i happened on a retired bookbinder who had all of his re- equipment and he was like i'm willing to sell it cheap just to get it out of the house because it's been sitting here for 20 years wow. and it's doing nothing and i really want this was the story i've never told anybody this he's like i really want my 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 three season back porch to no longer be the the graveyard of bookbinding equipment that it is i'd really like to have my exercise equipment out (laughs) that i that he had like tucked in a corner because he couldn't get it out because we had all these 100 and 150 year old antique cast iron uh board shears and and guillotines and
2: come on
3: so i had all this yeah, I have it all, right? I mean, literally all of it. Um, you know, like you you know that you know those air hockey games, right? I have an air hockey table, the a bookbinding table where you run it through a little machine to glue the back of something, slap down the pieces, and it and literally has this automated folding system. Like I said, to build binders and everything in in just seconds. And it's a hundred years old. So I have all this equipment that needs to be refurbished because it hasn't been used in twenty years. But it's all in great shape, and it's all cast iron, and it's and it's never going to go bad, right? Um, and so it needs to
1: be used, and it right? needs to be it used, needs to right?
3: be Used. It, it, the stuff is beautiful, and um, and so I I bought the collection, and I have it in a little shop down about a mile from my house, and I'm slowly refurbishing it. So here, I've been working on these actually just this week. So these are little foiled sleeves. They go in the back of my book, uh, of my first two essentially venture modules. Like library card holders. They're exactly like library card holders. Yeah. But if you have priced these out, you know that like a couple hundred of these are $700. That's right. Yeah. Right. For for less than a nickel's worth of paper. Oh my and gosh. If you have the equipment and you know how to assemble it by hand, you can assemble them in many different ways. And so here's the, the second one. This one's for Hangman's Garden. It's in this cool Vulcan green with a blue Doom, foil man. on it. And so um, you know, so so I have all this equipment. It really needs to be used and refurbished and and it and why not? Right? Yeah. It's like you yeah. should do this. So I so I so I bought all the equipment and and so now I'm just looking for creative ways to 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 use it. Yeah. And 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 it gives me the full idea. So these were meant to hold you know, tarot sized cards in the back of adventures so that you literally, the art is all designed to show players. Here's the, here's your adversary. Here's your adversary. Here's your adversary. Right. You can pass those around and I don't have to like hold the book up and say, don't look at this map. And here's the thing, but you can see that <laughs> here's the monster. I know that it says the picture is you fighting a dragon, but you don't have to fight it. I'm just telling you. Right. I, I love monster flashcards.
2: Always have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, so so you know this is a way to integrate those into the booklets and stuff. Beautiful, and uh, and everything. So so this is this has led me down this quest of building my own material and owning, literally owning all the means of production except paper production. Um, that's a little toxic. Not only is it toxic, but it's seriously time consuming. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I honestly
2: think, Trevor, I think honestly, your only real hurdle here, uh, and from the sounds of it, you know, you've got. Such a great angle. I mean, you know, in terms of video showing these things at work, all that stuff, your only, your only angle, uh, your only impediment is going to be getting over the other people our age who remember what a cluster the monstrous compendium thing was. Yeah. You know? And, and, and as long as you, as I think, as long as you start whatever campaign you're going to run with that, you know, who remembers these, oh, you know? Right. Uh, let and, me show you how to fix it yeah let me oh, show just you like the idea just is like solid me. but the execution was warped here's how i fixed it yeah and then yeah. you can go into that i think as long as you start that way I, I, then, I then go and this is suitable for all of the dcc line of of quality products uh you know zzz, blink, you fished them in you got them you know that's yep. it what were you going to say tim
1: I was just going to say, just like earlier when we were talking about every Wattsy product that, you know, comes out, immediately comes out with, okay, here's how you fix this or this. Not that this was a WOTC thing, you know, the Monsters it. but hey, I've, it's that people are already used to that. So yeah. just, you know, hey, I have fixed this problem. Granted, yeah. it's only taken 40 years.
2: 40
3: years. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fixed.
1: That's, it, that's and, the yeah. joke. I finally got the
2: cast iron equipment necessary yeah
3: <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, so so that's the so you know what I it was I guess worth the, the wait. Pro- the problem I have is 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 the was the format question, but also then, do you think that people would buy into the idea of literally hand assembling their unique take on a module? Yes, it, you know, if I give them I mean because to me that was always the replayability is a is a huge aspect and and a, yep. and a saddle stitch binder you know, bound module has a problem with that
2: right my my but, uh i i bought two copies of the lankmar setting so that i could tear up one of the geomorph books to you to make geomorphs that fit on the lankmar map. so uh but but yeah to, I, anytime you have uh people have a chance to customize at that level i think is a is a good thing even if you're no matter what kind of game master you are that, that that replayability or that uh cu- that degree of customization yeah. you know is is going to well, be the uh the the real uh sexy thing there you know
1: yeah and the thing is you've actually what you've what you're creating is a methodology not necessarily a hey this is a system d- dependent thing like once you've done this proof of concept and you've run it through with dcc mcc Lang right through through that whole realm you can turn around and sandbox you know 5e you can sandbox sword and you know, you know swords of wizardry you can sandbox you know just about any system that's out there um as long as you're able you know it's system neutral do a basic fantasy even you know yeah. so it's it, you know travelers to keep jeff happy um, you know, you know. could go through it, it kind of sandbox this uh, and use that same methodology later on, so it can expand even further.
3: Right, and 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 again, you can add extra modules. You know, extra a module like here's another sixty pages. Here's another set of variants, right? Yeah, and maybe it's not even every variant. Maybe it's like here's you know rooms three and four, and I've got four extra versions of them. So you could have little small projects. You could have bigger projects. You know, the the mix and match p- potential there is is kind of
0: yeah. like out. the kids books where they had the where you could flip it and it had the face, and as you flipped it at a growing kindredly head somewhere, you could it would you it would be a different yeah. top and a little face, a different hat and uh I still I love that. that stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> is there a is there a way because what I'm trying to think of is this how many of us have bought modules and bought other things that I just literally want to photocopy that stuff and stick it in there as well. Because if that's my go-to way of running a a campaign now or running, you know, as running a game, I'm going to want to take, Hey, I spent this money on these modules. I want to try and get this information into that same type of thing. So you might want to consider size wise as well um, or helping people to take stuff that they've already invested money in hard copies of or pdf copies of and this is how you would print it out or this is how you'd copy it to get it to fit in that same modular system
3: yeah that's that's an interesting nut to crack i'd have to think more about that it's an idea definitely i could pursue it yeah Um, yeah, no i like that so anyway that was my conundrum you know it's 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 a big project you know, the idea is to run tails from the smoking worm four times a year and have kind of two or three of these big projects as well. And, um, and, the, and, you know, I, with my time allocations as it is, it's eminently doable to, to get at least one of those big projects out. Next year will definitely be house of the petrified frog, which, you know, will be a very different product because it was designed to be a different product, but um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know,
2: anyway, thanks
3: guys. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks.
2: Well, I really I think... appreciate the insight, especially it's always good to hear other people, uh, who are, uh, hear from other people who are, who have similar, but different, uh, objectives and, uh, just, just kind of being able to get your head out of your own mess and think about somebody else's really helps open up, you know, uh, other ideas. So this was really, this was really useful, and I I really appreciate uh, you guys uh, weighing in. And Jeff, thanks for thinking to host this. This was a really smart idea.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it just seemed like uh, these are all different things we're all dealing with, and uh, I, you know, I I came thinking I didn't really have anything because <laughs> I realized I think the conundrum I have is inventory and uh, and some sort of strategy regarding POD carrying inventory. Uh, price points and strategies, but I think that'll be for another time.
3: Yeah. I, I, you know, I definitely have some thoughts on that because one of the things that I'm dealing with is, is the smoking worm standard editions. How many of those do I stock at a time? Right. Yes. Yes. (laughs) When I go to reprint that, because those aren't something that I'm printing currently myself, I'm actually, you know, sending
0: them out to Mixam and getting a hundred. Or just cut over to print on demand.
3: No, I had print on demand for the first three issues and I hate, the um, square bound format in that small of a product space. Yeah. It just, I don't like it. It doesn't lay flat. It doesn't do the things I want it to do. And uh, I'm not real happy with the quality papers that I'm finding. I mean, you oh, could right, go with right. higher quality paper. Right.
0: But, I mean, those are all different things that, that could be weighed. Yes, I've got and, some thoughts along those lines.
3: And those are all things that, yeah. you know, I mean, so actually, you know, having an episode where you talk about, you know, here's the problem, Here's the different things I have to think about to try and solve that problem. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, that'd be a great episode. So that, that'll be coming in the future. But uh, thank you, gentlemen, uh, for your input. <laughs> thank time. Yep.
1: And uh, it was a pleasure. Next. Yeah. It was fun. Thanks. Appreciate yeah. it. It's good talking to you guys.
0: Thanks. Yeah.
3: Good to see you, Tim. Nice to meet you, Mark. A pleasure.